the church. Okay, last week we began a new preaching series entitled Unrivaled. And the heart behind this message was, I wonder what we think is the greatest need that Christians and the church have today. In these changing times, in these Kairos times, the answer, I believe, to that question of what we need is a greater understanding of the character and the wonder of God. We need a fresh revelation of who God is. We need to recapture the big picture, the vastness of the greatness of God. And this is an eight-week series. We began it last week, and we'll be looking each week at a different attribute or characteristic of God. God is dot, dot, dot. And I really do believe that if your knowledge of God doesn't grow, then you won't grow as a Christian. You see, we are transformed by a revelation of who God is. Now, I said this last week, but I know not everyone was here last week, and I, I just want to put this warning out there, because you see, when we lose sight of the majesty and the greatness and the splendor of God, we invariably fill that gap the gap in our lives, the gap in our vision with the lie of the majesty of someone else, a spouse, uh, a leader, uh, our children, a friend, something or someone. And it's exhausting when we give worship to anyone or anything other than God because they will let you down. Our God will never let us down. So, I want you to have in your mind this picture over these weeks. Imagine in your heart there is a fire, a fire that burns for God. Each week, we're going to put a big, fat log on the fire that will burn brighter and burn hotter and burn longer with a greater understanding and a revelation of who God is. So last week, we began with God is infinite. The God of no limits. I just so want to go 80s. Do, 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 do. Every time I say the God of no limits, but just shows my age uh, and my music taste. But anyway, the God of no limits. And just one, one little soundbite from last week. My birthday is the 9th of October. I was born 1974. I was eight pounds and one ounce. I am measurable. Even that one statement makes me different from God because God is immeasurable. God is unquantifiable. You cannot confine God and nothing is impossible for God. That was last week. Now, every single one of us will know someone who is creative. There are so many creative people in the room. You know, it's the person that you call upon when you've got a birthday party to plan. It's the person that you call upon when there's a baby shower in the church and, and you need someone to decorate the house or to theme a, a meal, to theme a party, to theme an event. They're the kind of person that will turn an empty, bare-looking room 
into the most incredible jungle-themed fifth birthday party, and all you give them is a pile of colored paper, some scissors, some pipe cleaners, and some glitter, and they create this incredible jungle that looks like the rainforest cafe from Piccadilly Circus. You know that they're the type of people that make a baby heaven in a flat, a bare, boring, ordinary flat, is turned into this incredible baby heaven for a baby shower. With, you know, like massive kind of dummies that are kind of got cotton wool of them and glitter letters and all this incredibly creative things. That the, the 1980s style disco where everything is fluorescent and, and everyone is dressed to the hill in the 80s leg warmers and gear. You see, the list goes on of the creativity that people manage. And the truth is that all of us have an area of giftedness, don't we? We all have an area of giftedness that can be linked to creativity. There are gifted musicians amongst us, people who will take music and make beautiful arrangements that are amazing to our senses. There are poets and writers who will create with words and create with sentences that that sometimes elevate our emotions when we hear it read or we read it off the page. There are gifted chefs who, who will take the most basic ingredients and make them taste beautiful. The gifted artist who takes a blank piece of paper, some, some, some coloring pens or some paints and creates a beautiful scene that elevates the sight that we see. And even those of us that think we are not creative are. We can take a pile of data and turn it into a beautiful pie chart. We can take an ordinary egg, flour, and butter, and a bit of sugar, and turn it into a birthday cake. We can take words, and we can put them into an essay, a story, a song, or a rap. We, we all create on some level or another. But listen carefully. The extent of our creativity is limited. It's limited by the simple fact that we are human. Because I would believe that that no one who ever drew breath is truly creative. Because bottom line, we are the ones who arrange someone else's palettes of color and building blocks of material. You see, the most creative person that you can think of, whether singwriter or writer or artist or whatever it may be, the most creative person that you can think of is basically rearranging and recombining existing materials into new forms. That's because no one is truly creative except God. And that's what we're going to look at today, the fact that God is creator. And the Bible goes straight in on this, Genesis 1 and verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So you have God, the created one, and then you have everything else that has been created. The uncreated one and everything else that has been created. When God speaks, the universe leapt into being, from nothing to something. 
In Genesis chapter 1, three times the word create is used. Firstly, God creates the heavens and the earth. Secondly, God creates living creatures. And thirdly, God creates man in his own image. You see, us human beings, we, we rearrange what has been created. But God creates by the power of his word. God has no origins. No one gave God life. He simply has always been. Before he created everything that we know, he has always been there, and then he created everything that we know. He was existing in completeness before he started creating the world in which we inhabit. God is self existent. He depends on nothing or no one else. John 5 verse 26, it says that he has life in himself. He who has no origins is the origin of life for all. Listen to, have you got your, your, your head switched on for a moment? Listen to this quote by A.W. Tozer from the book uh, Knowledge of the Holy. It says this, man is a created being, a derived and contingent self, who of himself possesses nothing, but is dependent each moment for his existence upon the one who created him after his own likeness. The fact of God is necessary to the fact of man. Think God away. And man has no ground for existence. So God is set apart from us as human beings. Because on the very basic of levels, if you have a table here that says uncreated, underneath you put God. And if you put over here the title created, under here goes everything else. And the angels... The angels celebrate this. Look at Revelation 4 and verse 11. The angels celebrate that God has created all things, physical and spiritual. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. Wow. God is the creator. God is the one who has created all things. And so very quickly, three things that flow off that, very quickly. Number one, God did not create to meet a need. It's important to say that. He did not create to cure loneliness or boredom. God created because it was in his very nature to create. Secondly, God's creation is distinct from God. It's, it's different here from other world religions. Christianity does not teach that creation is, is a part of God. It does not teach that in the creation around us, there is God, like Hinduism and Buddhism does and other world religions. He is separate from us. We are not pieces of the divine. He is the creator and we are the created. There's a distinction. And thirdly, God made everything and owns everything. Psalm 50 verse 10, 
God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He has not, he's not purchased the cattle. He's not spent money to buy them. No, no, no. He has made them. And because God has made them, he owns them. Now, I want to talk here for a minute about confusion that often arises between stewardship and ownership. So hang with me here, but this is really, really important. So stewardship and ownership. Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God creates the world in perfection. And man and woman are placed in a garden to steward life, to take care of life and look after and make the most of the resources that have been given unto them. But Genesis chapter 3, when sin enters the world, you have man striving for and reaching for God and striving and reaching for ownership. Man's desire to be creator. Man's desire to be ruler. And that's not what God intended. Because God has given us gifts to steward. We're to steward the creation and the gifts that God has given us. So let me take an example. The gift of leadership. Now, all of us probably have got some level of leadership in some area of our life. God has given us that gift of leadership, which we are to steward. But so often we take that, what has been given to us, and we attempt to build and own our own kingdom. We think what we have built is amazing. We think, look at what I have done. Look at how I have built something out of nothing. Look at who I am because what I have done with what God has given me. And we believe ourselves to be this kind of creator. We have a kind of like a creator complex. And we believe that we own what God has given us. Now, there's a really interesting story in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 4, which talks exactly about what I'm talking about. Daniel chapter 4 tells the story of King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar has risen to power in Babylon. He's become king, basically at the hand of God. And one day he walks through the palace, surveying his kingdom. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 30. This is what Nebuchadnezzar says. And the king said, is this, sorry, is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power, as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty. Nebuchadnezzar is looking and thinking, look what I have done. Look what I own. Look at the greatness of what I have achieved. He's got a creator complex. Look at me. I've done this. I've created this and I have made this. But God responds and says, actually, Nebuchadnezzar, It's not you. This wasn't you. This was me. And I want you to recognize this. So look what happens if you read on in verse 31. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 31. While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. 
the kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives to it whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven, so his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird claws. It's a lovely image that that kind of conjures up. So God had removed King Nebuchadnezzar from power. He takes back the gifts that he had entrusted him, and he lays him low in the desert. His humbling is complete where this once great and mighty ruler is now this wild-haired, grass-eating, with huge nails kind of crazy man. But then let's read Daniel chapter 4, starting at verse 34. I'll put it on the screen. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All of the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now listen, verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. The sanity is restored, and King Nebuchadnezzar realizes that he doesn't own his kingdom. No, 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 no. He is a steward of what God has given him. That, that passage, Daniel 4, it, it reveals the, the, the insanity of the creator complex that we so often slip into. But hold on a minute, because many of you will be thinking, oh, that was King Nebuchadnezzar. That's not me. Yes, it is. We do it with our families. We, we have this creator complex with our families. We gave our child a life. We spent the best years kind of looking after them and giving the best life possible. We spent all of our savings on their future. So they now owe us obedience and worship. They better be successful. Otherwise, what have we done? And so we scream and shout at them and get upset because we, we, we think that we own our families and our children. We do it with our jobs. We had the same creator complex. We build our career from scratch without us, the company would be nowhere. Without us, the company would have folded. We pour our energy, we pour our talents into the company that we are in. We, we, it, we deserve every penny. 
that we earn. We deserve everything for all we pour in. But then we become the boss who orders like a dictator because things have to be the way they must be in our kingdom. Or we're always moving from one job to another and we're moving from one job to another because we feel undervalued and unappreciated. Oh, it's my kingdom. I own this. I've done this. So people better value me and people better appreciate me. And if they don't, I'm off. Or if they don't, I will tell them what they need to do. And we do it in our ministry. We do it in church. We do it with the things that God has called us to. We see a need and we rise to it. God speaks to us and we selflessly give of our time, our talents, our gifts, and our finances. We think none of this would have happened without me. So we take credit for lives changed. We, we take credit for things that God has done and we don't hear loving critique. The truth is that whatever sphere of influence we are in, we often convince ourselves that we deserve credit for creating when really what we're called to do is to steward. It's not about ownership. It's about stewardship. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 7, God says, What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? God creates. Anything good that we create or accomplish originates in him and not in us. Now, listen, because I believe that should give us a great freedom. It should actually release many of us who, who, who are preoccupied with doing the best to, with what God has given us. This theology, this truth should give us freedom. Because if we recognize that God is the only one who creates, then we no longer need to labor under the delusion of our own self-importance. We no longer need to look at success or failure of our job or our ministry or our family as a validation of worth. Value is not in what we create. Value is in who we are. Value is in who God has made us. Psalm 139, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's where your validation is. It's in being a son or a daughter of the Most High. So this truth that God is the one who creates and it's only him who creates should be an incredible, freeing, liberating truth. So I want to finish with three applications. And I really hope that these will help you. Because it's a great theological kind of truth that we've delved into a bit this morning. God is creator. He is self-existent. God created all things. You could go really deep on all of that. And it's great to kind of get stuck into the theology and the truth and the scriptures. But let me break it down to three applications. Number one, the greatest act of creation is salvation. Think about it. Think about it. 
When someone becomes a Christian and they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they are called a new creation. That's what they're called, a new creation. The greatest act of creation that we ever witness, because I don't think you were there at the very start of time. So the greatest act of creation that you and I ever witness is someone becoming a Christian. When God takes a heart which is dead and in which righteousness does not exist, and the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ speaks life into that heart, and that heart that was dead is now alive in Christ Jesus. That is the greatest act of creation that you or I will ever see. Where once there was nothing, there is now righteousness in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Wow! Isn't that glorious? Isn't that glorious that salvation is what God does, creating something out of nothing? And again, it takes the pressure off. Because yes, we're called to share the word of Jesus. Yes, we're called to love people and tell them about Jesus. But it's God alone who does the act of salvation. It's God alone who creates something out of nothing. It's God alone who turns the dead heart into a heart that is alive in Christ Jesus. Just one final thing on this. You know how people talk about testimonies? Testimonies about how someone became a Christian? And they talk about, oh, I've got a boring or ordinary testimony. And I've got an incredible testimony. I was a gang leader. I was this and that and this and that. And then Jesus did this and that. And we sometimes like differentiate the ordinary testimonies and the exciting testimonies. Listen, I want to reframe that. Because every testimony is incredible. Because every testimony is a story about what Jesus has done, creating, creating a new heart, creating a new life, creating a life where there was no life, creating a future where there was no future. So every creation and every salvation is something special. Every time someone becomes a Christian, it is a beautiful act of creation. Secondly, second application. We all face impossible situations, don't we? We all face difficult times. But God can create a way. We can rely on God when our hope for a situation or a relationship has dwindled to nothing. When all seems impossible, God can create away. You see, the creator God that we serve specializes in bringing something out of nothing. Let me give you some examples. We cannot create hope where there is hopelessness. We cannot love where there is lovelessness. We cannot bring repentance where there is no repentance. We cannot bring provision where there is lack. But we can cry out to a God who can. The first great act of creation, Genesis 1 verse 1, was bringing something out of nothing. 
And let me tell you, God rejoices to do that today. God rejoices today to bring something out of nothing. God rejoices to create an opportunity where there seemed to be none. God rejoices to create a healing where there seemed no opportunity or chance of a person being healed. God rejoices to bring breakthrough where it seems an impossibility. God loves to find a way where there is no way. And just one more thing on this. He may well restore your broken relationship. He may well create by restoring your broken relationship. But often God creates in a different way because sometimes relationships aren't restored. Sometimes things don't go how we long them to go. But what he can do is he can create hope within you to keep going through difficult times. So he may not create what you may think might be the way to restoration, but he will create within you the hope, the strength, the perseverance to keep going. God loves to create. He loves to find a way. And finally, final application. God is a creator and we are stewards. We've touched on this, but it's so important to bring it home again. God is the creator. He does what only he can do. So what's our job? If that's true, what is our job? Our job brothers and sisters, is to point to the creator. That's our job. Our job is to be stewards of what God has given us, to use our God-given talents, our time, our treasures, to steward them well. And again, I really hope that it takes the pressure off because I'm just using what God has given me. I'm not trying to create something out of nothing. I am using what God has given to me. You and I, we cannot create righteousness in another person's heart, but we can point them to the beauty of the gospel. We can tell them about Jesus. We can show them Jesus. But God alone is the one who creates righteousness in the heart of another. Think of it like this. Think of it like this. Your human creativity is an echo, an echo of God, our creator. Our beautiful design, our lives, which are kind of up and down and all over the place, they're an echo of our God. An echo. I want to go into this week and I want to echo, create a God in my life, with my family, with my friends, with those that I bump into in life, with all the interactions I have and everything I do. I want it to be an echo of my Father, the Creator, the one who has made everything. And I want to freely point people through that echo and point people 
to the glory and the wonder and the majesty of God. So, let's conclude. Let's sum up. God is creator. Last week, God has no limits. Today, God is creator. We put two logs on the fire. We're expanding our view of who God is. God is dependent on nothing or no one else. So let it take the pressure off. Let it take the pressure off. Hear the word steward. You don't have to create. Just steward what God has given you. Be the little boy who brings his packed lunch to Jesus. And let him do a miracle with what you bring, your loaves and fishes. God is the one who creates a way where there is no way. Bring your impossibilities, bring your challenges, bring your difficulties to God, and he will create a way. And the greatest act of creation that we ever see in this lifetime is salvation. Is another human being coming to know 